Welcome, everybody, to episode number 26 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. And I am Drew Brown. That he is. And we are here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show, where we talk about fountain pens and what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. I still haven't memorized the intro and I probably never will. In today's show, we're gonna be talking about the Willy Wonka of the fountain pen world, Mr. Nathan Tardif. We're gonna be talking about ink smells of various forms and taking pens apart, namely, should you do that? And which pens should you and should you not? Specifically, Sailor. We got other things too, Drew, including some feedback. We, got we do have some feedback from the YouTubes, if I'm not mistaken. The YouTubes told me some feeds back, and Ooh. the first bit comes to us from Benthic13, and Benthic says, "I took your advice in the pincast before Turkey Hammock Day. Nice. Get your Turkey Hammock sticker in the description below, and am working my way through all of them. Good luck with that. Bring some Tylenol. You guys are so much fun and entertaining, especially when you go off topic and joke around. Wow. Thank you. Um, more of that to come. Had to comment on this pen, pen cast because of the very useful info and technical technical pa- practical about one, the Noodler's Ink Miser insert and the Twisby bottles. Yes. Those are great. That was all Drew. Yes. And the bulb syringe cutoff trick. Wish I'd thought about doing that. You betcha. Another tip of the week coming later today. Um, To fit other sections. Great hacks and advice. Literally a hack on the pen syringe, by the way. (laughs) Ha ha! Yes. Oh, and don't worry. These can never be too long. Sometimes they help me fall asleep. Thank you? Hmm. Thank you, 10 Sagan units. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and right on. Thank you, Ben Thicker 13. Thank you, 11 Sagan units to you as well. Um, I just really like that comment, Brian. That was positive, you know, good, good blend of nonsense and practical advice. That's what we strive for here, isn't it? I mean, between the turkey hammock, the joking around a lot, and helpful info that you supplied all of it. I think I can pretty much just coast. I think you're carrying. <laughs> I think you're carrying the load on these at this point, and I should. Uh, I can pretty much clock out. Maybe I can like answer some emails while you're doing this. And no, you, you don't want to get do some that. other stuff done because this seems is like, uh, no. I, a lot of folks <laughs> don't know this is usually like you know Brian's chill out time. You know he 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 is the business owner, so he's got a lot of things on his plate. So uh, hanging out. What, Hanging yeah, out with you and me at the Pencast, this is delightful for all of us involved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also, Brian, a lot of people let us know, because we were talking a little bit about gander versus goose and that yeah, expression. Yeah, yeah. So a gander is a male goose. Um, uh-huh. A group of goose is a gaggle. And the expression, uh-huh. what's good for the goose is good for the gander, is just a gender thing. Basically, what what one situation is for one person should be should have the same effect on one person like you know hey if you get you know to stay home sick because your sibling is home sick i don't know it's an equality Hmm. thing i guess you know okay Um, so yeah that's what i took from it but anyway yes gander dude goose okay yeah gaggle i should have that rings a a very strong bell for me now it's like a gaggle bell bell. yeah gaggle bell hey ringing the old gaggle bell that's, That's what they say. Sounds really weird. I don't know why, but um, some other feedback we got. One is from Jen. 
said, uh, just had to pause the video while Brian was talking about the garden tiller. Drew's expression while Brian was going on about a reciprocating saw. Did and hear- on and on and did on. I, did I hear that right? Yes, you did. <sighs> Hilarious. I'm imagining toothpicks propping up Drew's eyelids as he valiantly tries to power through the epic of Brian's outdoor shenanigans. <laughs> Cackling like a witch because that's how I laugh. I'd love to see the trails you've cut, Brian. I fully intended on including those pictures in last week's pencast, and I did not upload the images to our server in time for <coughs> editor to include them. So uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll drop that in here if I can remember, but I might not. And then I'll just have promised it twice and then not done it. We'll see. Um, <laughs> All the convo in this show is interesting to me, really. You get a whole bunch of everything in this pencast. It's wonderful. That might be the best way to sum this up. You get a whole bunch of everything. Uh, and then Lynn says, not going to lie, the reciprocal... <laughs> The reciprocating saw blade tip about roots is really useful. Never even considered this for some reason. I mean, I could have used that tip six months ago when I had to pull out a rose bush, but I'll take it. Hey, you know what? It's better late than never. If you once you have this information, you will find ways to put it to use. <laughs> I can't tell you how many things I've literally visited my in-laws before and brought my saws and been like, do y'all have any like stumps or roots or anything that you need to cut out? Because I just figured out this awesome way to do it. And they're like, actually, yeah, we do have this thing. And I like visiting my in-laws, kids are like playing in the yard and I'm just like going ham on some roots in the yard. (laughs) And they're like, they're like, something's not right with dad. I don't know what it is, but yeah, I'm glad. Glad glad that was a value. It it, it stung. At my core to add these comments about people valuing your trailblazing tips and this was like there were multiple brian there were far too many people enjoyed that and i'm like i was like i read one i'm like well i'm not including this then i read another and another i'm like dang it i have to add this now this is legit feedback dang so yeah there were there were more than these two unfortunately okay. so all right all right i'm gonna see uh, if i can drop in some images that'll help with this yeah, thank you. Great. Just, just don't if you if you can, just don't sing a song about cutting trails. That that I would that would break me. I think it would legitimately harm me, like long term. Um, All right. I'm gonna, so, no, I'm gonna, no, I'm no, gonna, no, no, no. I'm gonna file that away. <laughs> I'm gonna file that away for would, for use in the that's future. That's a that's a that's a double whammy. I cannot handle. <laughs> All right. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Lots of great comments. Y'all are engaging and just we're, we're loving getting the feedback. So thank you, everybody who's leaving us comments. Um, now we got some new stuff to talk about. So we'll transition on into for that segment. Um, some new things. This is a time of year where there's definitely new stuff that's coming out. Holidays, a lot of people shopping and so on. Um, one new thing is the Twisby Eco Jade, uh, which I have not seen in person yet and i just grabbed mine from the office this morning oh and uh i have not un- yet seen it in real life so i'm gonna unbox it right this very second so this is a i'm gonna call it a light green with some gentle translucency you know not aggressive translucency like you may have on some other special edition ecos aggressive translucency yeah aggressive like very very translucent there you go there's the jade classy looking so it's like more opaque as opposed to you know i'm thinking like the ruby that we've had before the purple was really translucent Um, but this one is fairly opaque so you can sort of see like the shadow of the nib Mm -hmm. in there but it's not like you can look through and see what nib size you have with the cap on right that kind of thing yeah gotcha you know what the color looks like to me drew it looks like that 
glow-in-the-dark material before it's been like charged up you know that kind of like glow-in-the-dark greenish kind of color except mm-hmm. i don't think this glows in the dark this no it does not just... there were there were some rumblings about this pen glowing in the dark uh before well, it was it got into people's hands i mean it looks like it should right it yeah. looks like you know you like hold it up to the light and then you like go under the desk and you cup your hands or you go into the bathroom and you're like oh can i see it but no yep I don't think that's what this does. That's not what it's for. It's not what we advertise, and that's not what you should expect. But the color, <laughs> the color is kind of cool. Like it kind of looks like an alabaster jade type of color. So I think the name is fitting. I love the eco. Great format of pen. Thirty-two bucks. It's really hard to go wrong. So big fan. So that's new. Um, I have no idea the stock status of it because things these days are cray, and uh, yeah, we never know when things are going to be coming and going. Um, so yeah. What else we got? Vial holders. Okay, we've been out of these for quite some time. Um, so if you have a lot of ink sample vials and you want to hold them in a single unit, you've not had a great way to do that from us. Um, we had an issue with them. We had some quality changes that happened from the manufacturer that we were sourcing them out from. We sourced out a whole bunch of other ones. None of them looked great. So we sourced out some basically custom ones and we are going to be talking about them soon. I don't know when. Drew put this note in here, and I'm not actually sure when they're going to be coming. But <laughs> we, we're the so, soonish. We, we don't have a definitive soon-ish. date, but we wanted yeah. to just let you know. Thank you for being patient, and we hope that it's going to be worth the wait because this has been yeah. a product we've carried for a long time. I mean, yeah, um, we've, we've been working on this for months. I mean, months. Yeah, and we had to invest quite a bit and buy quite a few of them. So I yeah. really hope they work out well because it was quite an investment to get. Them. We should have something to show in the next couple of weeks. I think. Awesome. So look for that. Um, and then we have a new Retro 51. Uh, they do a uh, usually like a seasonal Christmas pen every year. This one is the Holiday Stamp. So this is a rollerball pen. Um, this one they partnered with the USPS to do basically a, you know, they do a holiday stamp every year, uh, so I'm told. And uh, this one is themed around that. So no like USPS logoing or anything on the pen itself. It's on like the, the wrapper of the, uh, the pen, you know, tube. But uh, the pen itself, just a nice kind of classic Christmassy theme. So yeah, that is a, that is a thing. And unlike warm hugs, I don't think it'll be completely sold out by the time we end this pen cast. Uh, so we never know, know these days. There's a good chance we might still have it by Friday when this launches. So that's why I'm talking about it. But you can go check it out on our site while supplies last. That's all I got, Drew. I got something I'm very excited about, Brian. Ooh. As you know, I have been working on getting us some new stickers Yes. And this right there is a Corgi with a Pilot Custom 823 in its adorable <laughs> little mouth. <laughs> and I am very excited to announce that we will be selling this. Not this one. This is the smaller one. So this one will be included for free in random orders. So mm-hmm. we don't really take requests. But maybe if you order something, you'll get this or another new one that we made, which is, um, you know, I'll include a picture here. It's a rendition of a bottle of Diamine Winter Miracle that has like a little snowy townscape in the bottle itself. So perfect for the season, considering winter hasn't actually begun. It's not like you need to have this in time for christmas or anything because winter you know is you've got plenty of time for winter yeah but we will be both selling these in larger sizes and then giving them both away in orders just like we do with all of our other stickers um so you can either roll the dice and order or you can pick one up um on our website as an actual item 
Um, both of these designs were made by a, a very, very talented artist who goes by the Instagram handle Inky Converters. So you can see more of her work there if you so wish. Mm hmm. Um, in addition to that, we are going to be, well, we actually do have available a new ink from Jacques Urban. This is called Shogun, and this is a pretty big deal. This was in celebration of the life of Te uh, Kenzo Takata, who is a famous fashion designer who passed away last year in 2020. So this was a collaboration, and it is a dark gray with, get this, Brian, red and gold shimmer. What? Yeah. What? Um, which which are uh, inspired by the armor, the samurai armor from the uh, the uh, Edo period of Japan. So pretty cool inspiration, pretty cool story, pretty cool ink. Check it out, ghoulipens.com. It's an interesting one. Definitely worth a look. Yeah, that looks hot. Hot. It's like H-A-W-T, H hot. Who doesn't want samurai ink? That's pretty rad. All right. That's for the new stuff. There's other new things. You should check out our website. New things happening all the time. Uh, Q&A questions this week. So we've got some interesting ones kind of all over the map. No central theme, but that's okay. Because apparently we like to... What was it said in the comments uh, earlier here? That we like to... A little bit of everything. Yeah, a whole bunch of everything in this pencast. So, a whole bunch of everything. <laughs> a whole bunch of everything. So that's going to be... We're going to start that off here. So uh, Caroline069 says... Who did you inherit your love of pens from? Drew, you want to start this one off? Yeah, uh, we answered a similar question uh, a couple episodes ago about whether or not any of our grandparents or parents really used pens. And we both answered no. We kind of found them through different means. But I did think this was curious, Brian, because um, <clears throat> I would say that anybody who's into pens probably has like some sort of you know, uh, nerd gene or collector gene or something like that. And it got me thinking, um, while I wasn't introduced to fountain pens by a parent or grandparent, um, I definitely have had the collector obsessive passion kind of passed down to me by, I think my mom and it wasn't, but recently I kind of figured that out. I was actually at a family gathering and I was like, why, why am I like this? I, I, I think, I don't know what I was talking about collecting. It might've been the coins or whatever, but, uh, Everybody was kind of like, I don't know. I don't do that. I don't do that. And my mom, who's really quiet at family functions, was just kind of like, yeah, that that that's me. And I was like, what? And she's like, you remember the soap? And then all of a sudden, I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, you were, like, obsessed with making soap for everybody for, like, a year. And then she just stopped. And then I, all of a sudden, just it started flooding. I'm like, oh, my God. My whole life, she's just been just rabbit hole after rabbit hole after rabbit hole, just going deep, deep deep into something and then just moving on to something else and i'm like okay yep that's 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 it she got like so super into jimmy buffett when i was a kid like she was going to like jimmy buffett fan club meetings and now i don't even think she listens to jimmy buffett i don't know it got nuts though it got so nuts she was collecting uh fiesta wear dishes and pictures and stuff from ebay like she has like a whole wall of fiesta wear now because of her like that one ebay period in her life like you know crafts making earrings like you know in the early 90s like definitely my mom so um i definitely think that i have that so when i sorry drew ellie's got something to say okay i have him on my earbud so you can't hear what he's saying but okay what do you want to say dear today at a substitute it was one of your old teachers one of my old teachers mr johnson 
Wow, how about that? Mr. Johnson was one of my teachers, too. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Did Drew have Drew had him, too, yeah. What grade yeah. was that? Uh, that was uh, fifth grade. Fifth wow. grade. That's wild. Did he remember, Daddy? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really cool. Oh, drop some cookie. <laughs> oh, just okay. Just ate it. That's cool. Well, that's great. All right, I'll talk to you about it later. <laughs> that's so, so Brian's daughter had our fifth grade teacher as a substitute in her class today, Mr. Johnson. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, Brian and I were both in the same fifth grade class together. Yeah. That's hilarious. How about that? Wow, that's funny. He's still around. I wonder if he still has a mustache, though. I don't know. Good question. You need to, you'll, you'll need to follow back up with Ellie. On I, I'll need to follow. Yeah, we don't need yeah. to get into all that. On the <laughs> the Bencast here. Um, but, uh, but uh, yeah, so I definitely can, I definitely go down rabbit holes. Uh, I definitely have that like collector bug, which fountain pens definitely fill the gap there. I love the tactile feel of nature. I mean, sorry, of the tactile nature of fountain pens um, in writing. I've always doodled. I like, I do go through crafty rabbit holes. The feel of the pen on the paper definitely kind of, you know, kind of scratches that itch and then mm -hmm. just the assortment the wide variety i can just really really get into that and um i uh it definitely kind of crosses that section of that creative bug that crafty thing and then that collector bug so that that little intersection is where fountain pens kind of live in my life so um it uh i i definitely think that i am susceptible to the fountain pen bug because of my mom and kind of that that path of my family yeah, so no like direct exposure to fountain pen specifically, but you were certainly uh, a, a warm lead going into <laughs> the fountain pen. World. Definitely, I was. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I I wasn't <clears throat> exposed to the pens, um, you know, by my family or anything like that. I'm sure. I mean, once I started getting into fountain pens, my parents were like, "Oh yeah, we used fountain pens back in the day," but they like it wasn't something they ever talked about. They didn't have any back from their childhood days, um, but they definitely used them in school, so they were familiar with it. And you know, started talking and you know started using them a little bit. They they don't they're not like avid users of them, uh, you know. Even though obviously it's a very impactful part of my life, um, it was more like just kind of a discovery on my own, just kind of happenstance and then uh, you know through woodworking and making pens and stuff like that and then I was making rollerball pens with pen kits and then there were also fountain pen kits so I was like oh that's interesting I've think I've heard about fountain pens didn't really know how they worked so it was really as a pen maker uh, craftsman that's how I kind of got exposed into the fountain pen world uh, really just purely from the kind of tool and mechanical side of it and then it was through exploring that that i discovered you know forums and blogs and other things so i really didn't have like your typical you know maybe introduction of like a person who's really into it kind of you know introducing me to things and getting to try out their pens and all that i really just had to kind of fumble around in the dark and discover it on my own but then um, obviously the rest is history I've but <laughs> made up for that with everybody else i've introduced it to <laughs> but brian i would be willing to bet money that you were as susceptible as I was to going down this rabbit hole because of your dad. Like that yeah. man, that man can go down some rabbit holes. He definitely goes down rabbit holes. I mean, my father has made his own biodiesel. He had a couple of like antique Mercedes diesel cars that he was working on and restoring. He's, you know, picked up various musical instruments and attempted to learn them much despite his own, <laughs> 
<laughs> lack of uh, kind of musical background. Um, yeah, he's gone down some rabbit holes. He's never he's never been one to physically collect a lot of things though. Like he had a couple of cars that he kind of worked on, but he drove them and stuff like that. Um, he just liked working on them. That's why he he had them, but he never he didn't really collects them per se. Um, but the, the the research and like the whole biodiesel thing. I mean, come on, that is the, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, yeah, there's a bit of a rabbit hole there. <coughs> yeah. Um, my mom has more of like the knickknacks and that type of stuff. Like one Patty of the wax. things. Patty wax. Yeah, giving lots of dogs bones, all these types <laughs> of things. Um, it's just a part of the deal. So um, maybe 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 you've got the collector thing from your mom, and then the obsessive like woodworking crafty thing from your dad. Yeah, you know what? I think it is. I think I'm a blend of both my parents that has just like combined like you know what do you what are two things you combine? I don't know. Two things that combine that make a big reaction. I'm thinking some kind of like I was like rocket fuel. I don't think you combine uh, Mentos and Diet Coke. There you go. There you go. <laughs> like Mentos and Diet Coke just just blowing up. Um yeah, so that's really been that's really been part of it. Like my mom has um um well Drew, we've talked about this before offline, off the pencast, um, accidental collections. Uh which is like, you know, you, well, we talked. You, no, no, we talked about it last week on we the pencast because we talked about we Rachel's talked about target Rachel's birds. Bird, talked to Rachel's birds. I yeah. also meant to get. I also meant to put pictures of those in and totally forgot. I just really have not been on it. Um, yeah, we have a lot of those. Little that's, birds. A, that's definitely an accidental collection. That was an accidental collection from her. But my mom, my mom's one of those people. She just like never asks for anything, you know. So she she's really hard to buy for because she never like expresses a specific thing that she wants oh is this the swarovski crystal thing no not the crystal thing this oh, okay. is the um because i know you've bought those for Chris, her before they're, they're christmas ornaments where they are snowmen oh, oh. snowmen made out the of marshmallows. marshmallows yes yes yeah I know. so it's like yeah. it's like a s'more you know so it's got like a graham cracker chocolate and then a little marshmallow snowman figure doing various activities right so she's got I don't know, a dozen and a half, two dozen of these oh things now. Oh my God, really? Mainly, mainly because, I mean, they're adorable and cute. So she puts yeah. them out like at Christmas time and whatnot. So whenever people go over, they're like, oh, look at this. And it's one of those things. Where you must really bunch, like these. There's a bunch of different versions of them. And it's like, oh, you like this. Here's Let one that, <laughs> you know, this one is yeah. knitting and this one is surfing or whatever, you know, yeah. so... And my mom comes from a huge family. She has, she's one of nine kids. Oh my so God. all the siblings and stuff like that, they like go yard sailing and they go to antique shops and stuff like that. And if one of them sees one of these knickknacky things that they know the other sibling likes, they will often buy them. So they're all buying collection of knickknacky things for each other all the time. And I, and I was like, I just grew up with this with my mom. So I was like, mom, you have a lot of these little snowmen. And I would just buy it for her too, because it was easy yeah. as a kid. You don't know what to buy your parents as a kid. Um, and then uh, I would just buy my dad really ugly ties, you know, like the <laughs> you know, Tasmanian, I have one of those the Tasmanian devil on it and stuff like that. You know, you have one of what? I have one of those ornaments. The snowman? Uh, yeah, I, my my mother in law got one for me, and the the I remember I never forget the way she phrased it because she taught she she told my wife and she was like she had already bought it or was about to buy it, and her thing was, does Drew like sock monkeys? And she was like, what? I mean, she he I don't think he has like a an opinion on sock monkeys per se. So I'm like, and and so I'm like, what the heck is she getting me like? I, I don't need a sock monkey. I, I mean, what? And then so Christmas comes and I have a little ornament, little marshmallow snowman on a 
on a graham cracker, but he's just cradling a sock monkey under his arm. I'm like, oh, okay, so he he's got a snock. Okay, he's got a sock monkey. All right, that, okay, that, that's there fine. There you go. So, but so every time we see a sock monkey now, Shannon's like, Drew, how do how do you feel about sock monkeys? Like, <laughs> just what's, to, your, just what's, your, what's your opinion on sock monkeys? See, that's how it starts, Drew. Somebody gets you one of those things, and then somebody else sees it, and they're like, oh, Drew must be into sock monkeys. <laughs> And then you get like a sock monkey. I don't know. What's something else you would get with sock monkeys? I don't on it? know. A Nothing. Coffee, like a coffee mug with sock monkeys on it, you know, or whatever. Oh and then you God. start using that. And then all of a sudden, you got like 10 different sock monkey things because random people just buy you these things. And you're like, okay, I really want to know. That's um, the accidental collecting that I'm talking about. Like, yeah. Tell, tell us in the comments if you have an accidental collection where people just started buying you stuff and now it's just a thing and you don't, mm-hmm. and there's no turning back now. Let us yep. know. I'm really curious about anybody else who has an accidental collection. That This is hilarious. And I doubt we're alone on this. Yeah. See, with me, I. I scare off our family members because they know I get so deep and so hard into my hobbies and obsessions. That's me. That's me. They're they're like, I don't even know. I don't even know how to buy this thing for you. Like you're into, you're into puzzles. Like what are these puzzles? I don't even understand. They're like, you have like a hundred of these things. I don't even know. I just know you like them. Just tell me what to buy and I'll buy it for you. And I'm like, cool. This is the this is a specific weird thing that I want. Yeah. You know, and they're like, great. So I don't get a lot of accidental I don't get a lot of accidental things. Or if I do, it's duplicates of things mm-hmm. I already have because people buy like the, the Rubik's Impossible. Have you ever seen that thing? It's a no. three by three Rubik's Cube, but it has like like the, that holographic kind of material. Like you look at it from two different angles and it changes color. So it's actually kind of annoying because it's really, really hard to solve because basically when you look at the different pieces from different angles they change colors Mm. i've been given like three of them very thoughtfully but like yeah it's really cool but like people buy it and they're like oh my gosh and i'm like yes i have this and i can't solve it and it frustrates me (laughs) 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 oh my gosh but it's fun all right before we go i just real quick uh did you see the video of that kid juggling three rubik's cubes and solving them while he was juggling yes i did how did that make you feel uh, I mean, respect. I got respect <laughs> for that kid. No doubt. Yeah. All right. Also, same kid can also solve, uh, I think he solved Rubik's Cube with his feet while he was solving one in each hand. Yeah. But the juggling one is more impressive, actually. Um, believe it or not, solving a Rubik's Cube with your feet, it's not a, um, it's not a uh, competition level event anymore, <laughs> but it was for several years what? at the Rubik's Cube competitions. There was a foot solving uh you know category for rubik's cubes there's also one for solving it one-handed there's one for solving it blindfolded they have multiple blindfolded cubes i think the record is like 60 or 80 cubes or something like that What about solving it in your mouth i uh don't think that that's been an event at a rubik's <laughs> rubik's cube competition all right there's your chance brian yeah what are we talking Blade. about? A whole lot about everything. That's, <laughs> oh, All right, next question. Next question. Okay, go ahead. All go right. ahead. Oh, once again, the internet gnome is asking us a question. And okay. uh, when I asked on Instagram, hey, what should we talk about? The internet gnome is requesting that we talk about Nathan Tardif, the Willy Wonka of the ink world. And uh, Brian, you are uniquely situated to discuss Nathan Tardif, the Willy Wonka of the ink world. And if you don't know who Nathan Tardif is, he is the owner, proprietor, founder of Noodlers, Inc. Um, and uh, yeah, Brian, just kind of give us a, a, a overview. Like, who, who is Nathan and um, like, why why is he unique 
within the industry? Like, you, you know, you've worked with them for over 10 years now and you've met the guy. Yeah, um, I was, I met him several years ago. Um, very interesting guy. I mean, he's one of these, I, you know, I'd call him like an eccentric genius, right? Um, so what, what a, does he, what does he do differently with his ink than like other manufacturers? Like, well, I mean, so his, it's not, it's his, not a factory. His whole, no, I mean, it's, it's basically him uh, making all this stuff and he, you know, makes it just, it doesn't have a large facility or anything. It's, it's very, um, you know, the amount, the volume of ink that he cranks out is amazing given where, uh, where he does it. Um, He's super, super efficiency oriented and very, um, you know, like frugal, like value is really, really important to him. So he, you know, he innovated by doing things like buying, you know, what would typically be a two ounce glass bottle or two and a half ounce or something like that. But he fills them to the absolute brim so that you get three ounces of ink in there. So if you buy a Noodler's bottle of ink, there's not one extra drop of ink that could fit into that bottle. He fills them to the absolute brim. Keep um, them on you know, a flat surface when you open them. Absolutely. And when he when he buys things, he buys it in bulk because he's always thinking about like the cost per whatever, whether it's, you know, glue sticks to be able to adhere the labels onto his bottles. And, you know, he has inkjet printers that he has hacked. He buys like old inkjet printers that that can be hacked so that he can fill them with his own inkjet printer ink that he uses to print his label art for his bottle labels. So he has like this whole basically like wall of inkjet printers that are all like Frankensteined um, and where he prints out. Uh, all of his own his own labels um so just like things like that that's just like you can tell this guy is kind of like a mad scientist and just loves solving random problems like that um but just background i mean when he was just to show you like just how industrious and how creative he is not only has he created a number of extremely innovative inks especially at the time i think he started in 2003 officially maybe with noodlers so it's going on two decades here he, um, you know, he was really into permanent inks and creating inks that could not be washed away with bleach and with other, you know, check washing fraud kind of uh, um, typical techniques of the time, you know, and he had at one point did a contest for trying to, you know, basically if someone could remove his Noodler's black ink from, um, you know, paper, he said that he would, I, he had some kind of monetary prize and then would develop an ink to combat that, to make it so that it couldn't be done well. There were some like MIT grad students or something that used some kind of laser thing that they had there that they were able to remove it with that obviously impractical uh, process of using an expensive <coughs> MIT laser. And they were able to remove Noodler's Black. So that's why he created, um, oh, which one? Did the, he, the Warden, Warden series. The Warden series is laser proof, which of course is irrelevant to the majority of the population so the, the warden but, series are any inks within the noodlers <laughs> line that have the name the word bad in front of them so bad belted yep. kingfisher bad blue heron bad, bad black, black moccasin, moccasin bad green gator yep he created those laser as proof. a res- as a response to that mit laser thing so just it's been a real adventure hearing some of these stories about like how nathan has been so driven by <clears throat> Really, the very the, the core things that he's done um, ever since he started Noodlers, which is pushing the envelope in terms of permanence, in terms of economy, value, 
to the to the end consumer. Talk more about the value aspect, Brian, because when mm-hmm. I started with the company, we launched the Noodler's Creeper fountain pen, and it was fourteen dollars at the time, yeah. and that really kicked off a wave of interest in the flex nib or the resurgence of the flex nib and yeah he sold it at such a dirt cheap price and it really shook things up didn't it oh my gosh yes i mean when the noodler's nib creeper the flex nib version there was a non-flex version that he was also kind of toying with at the same time but the flex one is just the one that really took off this is at a time when there was no steel nib flex pen anywhere it was just not a thing so he he created this thing um, with an ebonite feed and everything, piston fill. It was like no one had ever seen anything like this. And and really no one, especially in that price point, had any access to any flex nib whatsoever. So it was crazy innovative. And it was like it would break our website every time we would get a shipment. And it was like months in between shipments because it was just so new. He was still, I mean, he was hand fitting every single thing, hand setting every feed, you know, and it was just, uh, it took a lot of time for him to, you know, test and get all these things done. His process is much better now. So, I mean, granted, we're out of stock of a lot of them. COVID's messed up a lot of things, but, um, you know, now it's just a whole different story in terms of his availability of his feeds and, and nibs. But yeah, at the time it was just completely unheard of. And he, he just really busted the door wide open in terms of availability of flex nibs to lesser, you know, lesser expensive pens. Cause basically before that you had the pilot Falcon with a soft nib, which was, you know, it's not like a full flex, but it's about the closest thing you could get at, at the time. Namiki Falcon at that time. Namiki Falcon. That's right. It was Namiki at the time. Um, and then other than that, it was pretty much vintage. I mean, that was your only other option, which is not practical or accessible to basically anybody. Um, and so he really, really opened a lot of people's eyes, made it accessible. And then Really, looking back now, as a result of the last decade, really, you're seeing a number of flex nib options that are available now. I think do do almost solely in part to Nathan Tart of creating something that got a lot of these nibs in people's hands and got people excited about flex nibs. Do you think that apart from flex nibs, um, and I was just thinking about this while you're talking, that in addition to that revolution, he kind of uh, prompted some of these larger manufacturers to think about bringing some of their fountain pens down to that entry-level price point around the $20 mark. Because before him, I can't think of, um, like, the Metropolitan wasn't around. The Pelican script was around. Um, but there weren't as many... I, it doesn't seem like there was as much of a focus on getting those, like, $20 fountain pens out there. I don't know if... You know, I would, I would feel very confident saying that he is undoubtedly been one of the most single-handedly influential people in the flex nib you know kind of obsession um i don't know if i would say that quite as much for the lower priced stuff because there were lower price pens and there have been like things like the platinum preppy and stuff like that the preppy yeah that was around they've always been popular um and uh in that price point too there have been a number of other pens that have been that price point i think that was more you know coincidental i mean i think definitely he had an influence in some of that um i think some of it was a little bit coincidental as well just with the rise of the internet and just so many new people finding out about fountain pens that hadn't known about them before i think that right there opened up the opportunity for a lot of lower price fountain pens like introductory level fountain pens so i think he he folded nicely into that and helped lead with some of that i think maybe some of the more innovative features like he had like a, a less expensive piston fill, some ebonite feeds and stuff like that. But still, you don't see ebonite feeds 
on very many pens and you don't yeah. see them on affordable pens either so even that he still kind of stands alone so certain things like that has just been particular things that he's been driven to um just by his own personal passions driven to offer on his products um but certainly he's been one that stands out as part of that movement of like more affordable more entry-level pens and he's been really big about being able to tinker with your pens and play with them. So he designed them to be able to heat set the feed and these types of things. So I think that he has been one sort of like, you know, Twisby where they include instructions and the wrench and stuff like that to like almost encourage people to be able to take their pens apart. I think he folds into sort of that level of interest where, you know, don't, you know, especially at the time, the really premium pens and the Montblancs and things like that, they were basically designing them to, not be taken apart and not be user serviceable and things Fountain like that. Fountain companies hate this guy. Yeah, the ones, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, and it kind of makes sense. Like, I get it. Not everybody wants to tinker with their pens. And, you know, so it's it's kind of like anything, too. It's like you have cars now where, you know, they don't even show you the engine. They just cover it all up and don't yeah, want to Yeah, there's a big deal right now, oil. like in multiple industries, about things being user serviceable. Um, yeah, and yeah. And some of that's related to, yeah, that's a, that's a big thing all over the place. Some of that's related to like software and as, mm-hmm. you know, software gets more, you know, bigger deal. Like you, you go to get, you know, there's, I mean, your car is a good example. There's a lot that you can't fix on your own car because you need a computer to plug into it and get the codes and get the whole analysis. If Nathan so, built a car, it would be just, you could buy everything at Home Depot. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, everything like, you need to replace, you'd be able to go to, go to the local hardware store, pick one up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's. And just like his whole story is really, really cool. Like he, well, one thing he, I would definitely recommend anybody do is we have a video on uh, on our YouTube channel of Brian sitting down and having a nice, lengthy mm. interview um, with him. And Brian, to my knowledge, you've been the only person in the industry that has sat down with Nathan, got him on camera um, for that sort of interview. Like, so definitely check that out. We don't need to cover all that here, but like, what were, what was yeah. what were some of like the biggest you know takeaways from that, or most interesting? you know, aspects of getting that meeting with him. Two of the most interesting things that just kind of speak to the guy, kind of who he was very, very bright. I mean, off the charts knows his history. Oh my gosh. Well, a lot of that's worked into like his, his, uh, naming conventions. Like there's a story behind almost all of his inks. There's like, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, this in no way is a derogatory statement whatsoever. It wouldn't surprise me if he's on the spectrum somewhere. He's like so bright and just like savant level intelligence but then he just like he's thinking about things in just like a completely different way and like sometimes i have a hard time following him in a conversation because he's talking like layers deep on a concept and i'm like dude i don't even know like where you're talking about (laughs) you know so it's like um sometimes can be difficult to relate to and understand in certain ways but like he just creates amazing things i mean just as an example he he learned basically ink chemistry and stuff like that he got into pens and nib repair and all that kind of stuff had some training but largely is self-taught so he wanted to start repairing pens and doing stuff like that he was i think 10 or 11 years old at the time and was trying to do this stuff so he wrote handwritten letters to like the certain like japanese suppliers and stuff that he was working with and he, he corresponded only by pen and paper so that they wouldn't know that he was basically a child, you know, trying to do this stuff. So it's like he was thinking about that kind of stuff basically as a kid and started working and creating this stuff. So it's like, you know, that's one just really interesting little fact about him. So he really has been in the pen world for decades. 
And a lot not, of people think he's, not he's super, really super old. No, yeah, that, like, that's the thing. A lot of people there's this myth that no. he's like this this old grizzled you know bearded hermit. No, um, he's like mid to late forties. He's probably about ten years older than us. It's crazy. I was kind of surprised. I thought he was super duper old too. But no, he's 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 pretty spry. Um, yeah, and then the other thing too is he is a um, he he's uh, a you know he does taekwondo and he's uh, he like basically is a black belt level like taekwondo. Um, he would have his black belt, but he did not want to pay the <laughs> fee to take the test and actually get the belt. So basically, he's a black belt, but his frugalness, I was like, okay, that I can see that. That tracks. Um, yeah, and then just he's a big fisherman, um, a lot of fish themes and noodling and stuff like that. Um, you know, that's that's the theme. That's noodlers, where the, where the name comes from. So noodling, if you're not familiar, if you're not from the U.S. especially, it's a very, um, I'll call it a niche fishing interests <laughs> frighteningly dangerous frighteningly dangerous so basically Little insane catfish especially down in the southern united states catfish bury themselves into the mud <clears throat> like in like kind of swampy areas down in, in ponds and lakes and stuff um and noodling what that is is basically you swim down with your bare hands you stick your hand in the the little hole that the, the catfish make for themselves you let them bite your hand and then you pull them out of the hole and bring them up to the surface, and then you take them off your hand. So you're you're quite literally you're the bait, um, and going around trying to get these fish. So Pe- people die doing that; they drown because it's not drown? just a matter yeah, of it's can, not just a yeah. matter of like picking up a fish. Like this yeah. thing will keep and you who, underwater. You're sticking, yeah, it can keep you underwater, and you're sticking your hand into holes. You don't know what's in that hole. Might not be a catfish. Might be something else. You don't really know. So it's a pretty dangerous thing. But anyway, whatever. Um, so Nathan, I don't know if he. I don't think he does a lot of noodling himself, but he just, I guess, is in, you know, a fan of the um, freedom nature of the sport, maybe, or just the, like, man versus fish kind of nature of it, just the raw... Well, he, yeah, well, in, in uh, Massachusetts, in Massachusetts, he does have, like, a, a, a long uh, lineage and uh, respect for the whaling history in the New England mm-hmm. area. And, yeah, he's got, you know, a, he's got a... That's whaling, a lot of man versus fish right there, or man versus A fishing versus whaling mammal. lineage. That's why there's a lot of, like, the new... There's Ahab and stuff like that. It comes from, yep. you know, whalemen, CPI. He's got a lot of whale themes in there. Um, but the other fun fact is that he... One of his thrill-seeking adventures that he likes to do is go um shark fishing in a canoe so he goes fishing for sharks in a canoe and he says that some um you know he'll catch like brown sharks and stuff like that and he says they'll pull you across the bay in the canoe so you're like going a pretty sounds like something out of a cartoon like 15 20 knots getting pulled by a shark that's three times longer than you are in a canoe and i was like i don't think i have an interest in doing that myself but that would be pretty interesting to see <laughs> i think he's done that on several occasions Man. so when i went and visited him years ago <clears throat> he had invited me to possibly go fishing with him and rachel was like you're not gonna go shark fishing with him right <laughs> in his canoe it did, yeah it didn't end up working out but and he was like you know and i did talk to him about it. he was like no he was like i was never gonna take you you know fishing <laughs> like like that he's like you know just imagine oh Nathan Tardiff and Brian Goulet dying in a horrible shark fishing accident. Like, no, we, we opted to just like, you know, maybe Thank you for should, that. Maybe we should not do any risky ventures, but I did get to see his operation. I, I was sworn to secrecy not to take any pictures or talk any detail about, um, you know, what his facility was like, uh, you know, much. Was beyond, there what, what a cauldron? There was no cauldron. Dang was it. No cauldron. I mean, 
No, no like open metal container with like a wooden spoon, you know, with like were any spells of the written u- on the wall. Were any of the utensils like alive and kind of enchanted no. walking around? And- no, okay. no. Well, I mean, there were lots them. of containers, carboys and, you know, drums and things like that. So, you know, more like, I guess, quasi-industrial type things than it was, um, you know, witches of Eastwick type. Uh, well, I'm just going things. to ignore that and just <laughs> continue to assume that it looked like Merlin's yeah, I don't, I don't shack. Kill the, I don't want to kill the magic for you. Yeah, but, fair uh, enough. Well, I definitely this... recommend you check out the video. Like, if you're wondering why Noodlers is so popular, it's because no other ink manufacturer has a you know central figurehead like Nathan who has a story like Nathan. So it, it's you're for anybody who's you know is wanting to buy kind of the why behind a brand like there's a lot of why here so um yeah. it, it it speaks to you know the popularity and the longevity of the brand so there's definitely substance behind the uh the stories and the brand itself so absolutely very cool all right next one we have is from drw leonardo do all inks have a scent i only have one bottle and it smells but i'm curious if they all do so does that mean his bottle smells? Mm. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. It smells like glass. Um, I will I will say <clears throat> there have been times where we've gotten complaints, you know, in the customer care department about like, hey, my ink smells a little funky. Is, is that bad? And we've gone and looked or smelled and we're like, oh, my gosh, yeah, this does smell funky. And then we smell more and we're like, wait, no, these all smell funky. And then we smell other brands. We're like, no, that smells funky, too. So it's kind of like the answer is yes, all ink has a smell there is no ink that i've ever sniffed anywhere that has a completely neutral like lack of odor like they're all they all have something going on noodlers has a very very unique odor i mean some colors more than others um one because they all have different stuff in them like no no two inks have the same same ingredients so you could be smelling a different dye component or you could be smelling a biocide agent or you could be smelling some other agent that gives it a type of permanence or water you know uh, resistance or something else that actually does something um so there's a whole lot going on and we don't have complete lists of any of the inks ingredients that we sell Uh, it's just not something that's provided because they're not legally obligated to so why would they um but there are times where an ink can smell like mildew like that moldy musky thing and it is because you know there is you know something going on in there um, but really that's not kind of the end all be all like, oh, you should throw this away. Really an ink can smell funky and be just fine. Um, really you need to look for sludge. You need to look for actual like white specks of mold, like anything visible, like, yeah, that's going to impede your flow. But if it's just stinky and still wet, like it's going to work just fine, you know? Um, but really if you go looking for it, if you think it smells funky and you smell another one, you're going to find a smell. Like if you look for it, it will be there. It's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy of stink. Um, but you use, you know, get like a toothpick or something, you know, try to, if you see something actually floating in there, that's definitely not supposed to be in there, like a sludge, anything mushy, that's definitely not supposed to be there. Sometimes you'll see like uh, particle particles that are either floating on top. That's actually not uncommon, you know, like kind of shiny bits of uh, 
like oily looking sediment uh that that's pretty common actually um anything that hangs in suspension that's usually pretty common too there are some funky floaty things in a lot of noodler's inks like uh, dragon's napalm georgia peach that's all supposed to be there too it looks bad but mm-hmm. it's supposed to be there if you don't like it don't buy it but um yes all ink smells but it's not necessarily a bad thing or an indicator that like you should throw it away yeah and we've asked nathan too about you know because the nice thing about nathan being a smaller manufacturer and knowing his ink composition is we can sort of ask him when we had things like drew said georgia peach we were like there's like this it was almost like a shimmery type of glittery it chunky like mica, stuff in it. like like flat like flakes, flakes of yeah and we were like what is it? but it would all sink <laughs> to the bottom and it wasn't like floating around it didn't have a real smell or anything we were like what is up with this and he said basically it's like a crystallization it's like a reaction mm-hmm. with the dyes that are used there's like you know and he has very heavily saturated inks so he says that you know sometimes in certain ink you know uh, formulations there can be some crystallization that happens over time um and that is it's not a problem really if you just ink up your pen and don't have those crystals in there or you know filter them out or just leave them in whatever as long as it doesn't clog the pen it's, it's not going to hurt anything it's not yeah. a it's not a growth that's happening it's basically a result of the dyes you know having a little bit of reaction um but uh yeah like drew said basically if you have like fuzzy like sweater you know material that's growing on top of the ink that's not great that's when you have a problem and usually it's a different smell if you've never smelled moldy ink truly moldy ink let me tell you, you will then never doubt a normal smelling ink that just has maybe some biocide or some, you know, regular kind of chemically smell to it. The moldy ink is like a whole different situation. It's like when you have never changed a dirty diaper before and then you change a dirty diaper, you're like, oh my gosh, this smell is unmistakable and I can never unsmell this. It's kind of like that with moldy ink and it usually yeah. kind of punches you in the face. So if yeah. you're smelling but, your but ink again, and you're it's like, like an, it's an indicator. Really tell. Yeah, exactly. But it's usually pretty distinct. And honestly, we've not run into a lot of moldy ink issues in recent years. I think a lot of the manufacturers have gotten better about, you know, kind of um, dialing that in, using better better processes to prepare for that, better biocides and things. So it's not nearly as much of an issue as it was maybe 10 years ago where we would hear about it a little bit more. Yeah. And sometimes we have had um, like <laughs> little like stale smell happen um, and it has not really resulted in any negative impact. Like mm-hmm. just because there's a funky smell, if it does smell moldy, like get get a you know disposable pipette or something, swirl it around in the bottom, see if you or can pick pick. up anything. Toothpick can be good too. Yeah, yeah. if it can reach. Um, but mm-hmm. just because it smells funky doesn't mean that it's going to hurt your pen in any way. But mm-hmm. it should be kind of like a little flag, like, hmm, let me, let me check into this a little bit yeah. more. But if you don't find anything and the ink looks totally normal, then, you know, keep writing yeah. with it. It should I mean, be fine. Look at Drew as an example. He smells funky, but it doesn't mean he's going to hurt your Right, pen. yeah. I mean, you can literally, mm-hmm. if you put on a different filter, you'd see like the, the, the cartoon green waves coming off of me, you know? Absolutely. Um, but uh, I still have like one or two friends, maybe, I think. I don't know. Well, Probably not, but, you know, I could. I, friend, I think I could. Friend, friendly, I guess. I, I think would, I could. Know. Friendly, yeah. Polite. They're friendly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I appreciate that. You know, that friend in like, a, well, I know he doesn't really have a lot of other yeah. friends, so I guess Bless I'll be heart. nice to him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like that. That's kind of a, you know. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. if I took, maybe if I wore fewer sweaters, I'd be less stinky. I don't know. I don't know. I know Say. I would be. That's for sure. I opted for the. Uh, I mean, this is <laughs> this is full on legit holiday sweater here. This is yeah. like got the print like all the way around. That's right. You know, it's looking good. Knit. I am. I'm very warm. 
How are Very your warm. For, how are your forearms though? Are they nice and cool? Venting. You there know, we go. Getting, <laughs> getting maximum skin exposure. <laughs> Not pulling them up above the elbows though. This is uh, uh, trying to keep this sweater more or less intact. But, good uh, job. Good job. All yeah, right. Yeah. Um, question four from uh, Chisagi. And they ask, is it possible to disassemble a Sailor Pro Gear or Slim? If so, how, Brian? Is it possible? So, like, I'm wondering... Um, is it possible? It's it's possible. Yeah. Yes, it's possible. How would they know if they should even try something like that? Well, I suppose they're asking us and looking for us to tell them if it is or not. That's one approach. Should they? Um, I would not say that this is one pen that's really meant to be disassembled. It's definitely not like a Twisby or a Noodler's type disassemble. Now, pretty much just know with all of the Japanese brands, they're not like super enthusiastic about users taking their pens apart. Um, you know, Pilot, Pilot probably has the most explicit language in there about not taking it apart. I know Sailor you're going to avoid some warranties if you're taking things apart and then there and then there's any type of an issue they don't take as kindly to that um but there's not that much to really take apart in my opinion on these pens other than if you wanted to remove the nib and the feed now there's no crazy stuff going on with the nib and the feed where it's like um a secret like decoder latch that you have to do to be able to remove it i mean it's friction fit inside of there so if you are feeling adventurous enough you can remove the nib and the feed out of the pen with friction. You can put it back. You know, it got, it's got to go back in a specific orientation. You got to be careful not to damage the nib or the feed when you're pulling it in and out. I wouldn't say they like design and like openly encourage for that to be done on a regular basis. But should you choose to do this with your own product that you've purchased, it is completely within your ability. And I would say that taking the nib and feed out is a uh, one of the relatively less risky activities to do with the pen. Taking it apart beyond that, I would say probably not going to gain you much for one. And then you're really just kind of asking for trouble because there's a lot, there's actually a lot of components in there, like the center band, the the ring in the center band, the threading, the, all that kind of stuff. It's not just like one piece. Basically every little part that you see, every trim ring, everything, that's all different components which if you try to take things apart, if you even can, I've never tried to like actually take all those pieces apart. There's probably some stuff that's glued in there. There's probably some threading that's hidden that you don't know. And if you try to pull it out when it's really threaded, you could strip those threads and crack pieces and stuff. It's just not, not something that I would advise um, you try very much. Um, the only thing I can think Drew is like on some of the translucent ones, if there's like an inner cap and ink gets behind it, that's usually the only other situation where people want to disassemble it more is like, can you remove that inner, inner yeah, cap? Um, Excuse me. In that's fact, usually a fairly doable thing. Yeah, it is. Um, with Sailor, it's just a, uh, you know, a um, clear plastic inner cap um, with, uh, with the, um, with the 1911 anyway. Um, I have both the uh, 1911 s and the uh yeah they look identical um the uh the pencil trick works just fine in, okay in these. Yeah. it's just it's a little <clears throat> plastic cup in fact i was using i did it today i was using this thing to kind of like uh mm -hmm. clean out a cap and i had accidentally j did it with a paper towel so like oh, okay a so it's not a, like no no if a paper towel it's not can like do locked it, in um, there yeah oh look i did it yeah so there it is right there nice okay 
So yeah, so, there, a, so that little insert, you can't really see that. And honestly, it doesn't really matter as much on the more tr- translucent, or sorry, opaque barrels, like what Drew's showing here. Um, if you have any of the pens, and this is not just for Sailor, this could be for other brands too. Um, if you have any where it has a cap insert like that, which Twisby has, you got that on the Pilot Custom A23, the Pilot Custom 74, you know, you can get ink in the cap behind that that insert. And it just, it doesn't hurt anything. It just doesn't look as presentable. So the trick that I like to use that Drew was talking about is you take basically a number two pencil. And if you need to, you wrap a rubber band, you know, over the eraser portion of the pencil just to give it a little extra girth and give it some grippiness. And usually just kind of gently pressing that in there. And then when you pull it out, it's got enough grab, you know, on that inside to just pull that insert right out. They're usually just friction fit. Um, I think the, the Pilot Prera has like a screw in there that's holding it in. So the friction trick won't work with that. That's the only one that comes to mind that I know is screwed in, but it's possibly there could be other ones. You can usually see if there's a screw uh, in there, but the prayer is the only pen that comes to mind that I know has that. These actually look like they might have a thing in there, but they don't. It's just, it's clear. So you see the, you mm-hmm. see through it to the little bolt. Ah, uh, so you're probably seeing like the screw that might be holding the clip on. Yeah, something But it's like actually that. past the insert. Okay, so yeah, I mean... Yeah. I mean, it doesn't hurt to try. Like, you know, a rubber band's not going to hurt anything in the inside yeah. of your cap. As long as you have your wits about you and you're not, you know, pulling on anything that if you're like, if if I'm doing this wrong, I could break this thing. You know, sometimes, and Drew will testify to the fact that I get can, I can get pretty daring with some of my own pens. Yes. And I'm and he, he'll, like, start to pull something. I was like, I don't know if this thing is supposed to come apart like this. And I'm like, well... Let me try because if I break it, then I've bought it. So I can be a little more, a little more daring and I'll try a few different things. And and sometimes you have to go, even knowing what you're supposed to do, you have to go beyond the point where you're like, I feel like I'm going to break this thing. And then it gives like right at the last second. And you're like, oh, okay. Especially like the first time you take, you know, a pen apart, you know, there's usually, it's been sitting there for a while or if it's been inked and the ink is kind of like, frozen you know that piece in place or something like that you sort of need to kind of know what you're doing and if you're like if you've done pen restoration or worked with like vintage stuff you kind of know what i'm talking about like sometimes it gets pretty pretty hairy Um, but uh yeah i would say like there's just not as much there's not as much benefit or payoff to disassembling a sailor pro gear or slim other than you know taking the nib and feed out and taking out that insert just mainly to clean it um but even then just try and do it minimally because it's you know it's plastic and the more you mess with plastic and you're dealing with pressing and releasing like friction parts over time you know you're going to weaken those parts so just try and do it as minimally as you need to just for like deep cleaning and stuff like that if you're using a shimmering ink or some crazy permanent thing and you want to really deep clean it then you can do it but um you know try not to do it like all the time yeah i always choose pens that are very easily disassemblable for any of the crazy inks that i like to use if i'm using something that is a little funky then i i'm gonna pick a pen that i can totally take apart and get a toothbrush in there on the fins and everything like that exactly all right, and then the last question we have is from Emily Lai. Love the pen cast. Just wanted to ask about your recommendations on pen cases. Pen cases. I like this topic, Brian. I get excited about cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Emily, I've got some thoughts. Got some brain thinkings for you. So, for traveling and on the go cases, if you're looking to just take something in the bag of the purse, I think that Rickshaw is a great, great 
idea. Um, so something like this, the koozie case is great for holding, you know, not only a bunch of other pen cases, but you can shove a bunch of stuff in here. You can put your glasses in here, you know, if you want a pocket knife or something like that. One of these can just fit a whole bunch of stuff in addition to pens because it's just an empty, you know, void in here. So there's no, you know, you don't limitless possibilities. Shove whatever you want in there. Um, Rickshaw also is a really great uh, idea for protecting pens. You don't want to be touching other pens or having an elastic band grip. If you've got something really, really sensitive, I mean, the, uh, um, the um, what do they call it, ultra plush, uh, Brian, the, the stuff mm-hmm. that's inside this pen, like this is super, super soft. Like it, it, it feels amazing and it's going to baby oh, yeah. your pen. So if you really want to pamper your pens, this is the way to do it. And a, a lot of uh, good, you know, pen roll stuff you can put in your bag and go. Um, for uh, all-in-one solutions, like if you want to have your notebook, maybe your keys, your, you know, AirPods or whatever, um, Galen Leather has a lot of really great options for that. They've got, um, you know, more of kind of an all-in-one system. If you want, you know, your journal with your pen and all, all this other stuff, Galen's a good example. Um, nice leather stuff, made in Turkey, really good quality, and a lot of different varieties in um, kind of what they make. A lot of it's not just for pens. So if that's kind of your thing, if you want to have an all-in-one solution, I would recommend that. They've got big bags, you know, the medic bag that they have, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, a little more expensive, but uh, you get a lot of good stuff and a lot of variety. And there's really no other brand quite like Galen in terms of the type of cases that they offer. Um, and then there's Aston Leather and Girologio. I put them in the same camp as far as kind of uh, a little bit more versatile. They are going to be kind of like the book style pen storage for the most part. They've got some other stuff that fall a little outside of that, but for the most part, they're going to be, you know, your fold out style with a bunch of uh, elastic sleeves to put your pens in, you know, 10 case, 20 case, five um, here and there. And uh, they have multiple different colors of leather and they're are going to be pretty good for either putting it in you know a bag or a case and going or just for um, desk storage um, i tend to use that sort of style of case for office um, storage but uh, it is a little bit more versatile and definitely more travel for uh, more um, cost friendly than a brand like visconti like uh, visconti and esterbrook actually those two have um, more premium i suppose and they have what i would consider to be office office centric storage in my opinion um because their cases are more of a tray design they don't have uh like esterbrook has elastic in their tray but they're more or less these individually segmented kind of um uh barriers that you rest your pen into so they're like kind of walls along the edges um so like you know five ten of these you know individually little little pen cubbies and they i think make for a better presentation the esterbrook especially kind of like folds open so it really kind of creates a nice professional display for your pens if you're into that um so i think those two visconti and esterbrook do really well with uh, an office environment you know they're fine for traveling if you wanted to do that um, there might be a little bit of play uh, moving up and down. Like if you tip them over, they might kind of like, you know, slide a little bit just because that, you know, those individual pockets might be a little tall. Um, so, but it's not going to be, I mean, you're, unless you're running around and jumping and stuff, it's not going to go anywhere. But those would be my picks for office style. Any thoughts on that, Brian? Uh, oh no that was perfect drew you said everything you need to you're so smart you must have done a ton of prep on this oh well thank you brian i I really appreciate you saying that it means a lot coming from you 
I was just going to ask, what would be the ideal pen case if you wanted to have a pen in your pocket while you were cutting out roots and stumps in the woods using a reciprocating saw? No one does that. Only crazy people. Um, no, I've, my my. I've dismantled an entire carport with <laughs> fountain pens in my pocket before. That's right. I remember that. I've that done. Was... I've done many. Many weird things with fountain pens in my pockets. So that sounds kind of and you have not kind of broken bad, a lot of them either, which is kind of surprising. No, I've never broken a fountain pen because of an activity I've done with that pen in my pocket. I've have you ever cracked pens, your? I've broken pens before, but I've never done it just like carrying it around and using it, going about my daily life. Well done. I feel like you should you should earn an achievement. For that. Thank you. I mean, I try, to be consci- I try to be conscientious of that. I'm not just like <coughs> tossing around fragile pens in pockets with my keys and then doing a bunch of sit-ups and playing dodgeball, you know, or something. I try to, you know, if I'm going to be doing an activity that I know is going to be involving a lot of movement in the pocket area, then I'll have it in some kind of like case or a sleeve or something that's a little more. What's, what's your What's your go-to case? I like the single sleeves, you know, if it's yeah. a pen that it's fairly sturdy, something like a um, rickshaw sleeve will work pretty well. That doesn't have a lot of like structural stability. It's good for scratch resistance mm-hmm. and just general protection, but it's not as good for, you know, I'm a, I'm a cargo pockets wearer, as you know. And if I'm going to be, I don't know, running around in the yard, you know, with the kids kind of thing with pens in my pocket... I would go for like a Girologio, like a hard case or something, just, just like a couple of pen, you know, two or three pen case kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, they got plenty of room. You know, the pens might rattle around a little bit, but they're individually protected in those. And it's a, like a more of a hard case. So I know if I'm going to be like hitting the pocket or doing something like that, those pens are a little more protected. So, yeah, that's where I tend to go. Or, you know, if I have larger cases, I have a lot of Aston, I have a lot of Girologio and things like that, that I'll just, you know, I have a lot of I have a lot of different pen cases and I use all of them, especially right now because I'm at home in the office and I'm transporting pens a lot everywhere right now. So yeah. I have many, many variations of different pen cases. And honestly, I kind of like them all. I really haven't met a pen case that I just flat out hate. I have almost all the varieties and I like them all for different reasons. Yeah, that that's kind of how I feel. Like I've I've owned just about all of the, you know, brands that we've talked about but Mm -hmm. i use them for different purposes you know like like i kind of described you've got your office ones and you're Mm kind of on the go ones and i think that you know just about all of them do well in at least one of those zones or the other absolutely i do like the rickshaw ones though because you can just shove all kinds of extra things in there like the koozie like literally just today i had to bring in a whole bunch of pens for something and i just did not have a lot of time and i was like i don't want to go individually like pulling out this pen that pen it was a bunch of like lami safaris and stuff that i need to bring with me so i just dumped all the innards out and had the koozie case and yes. i took like 20 pens and just shoved it in the open hole yes i i did something very similar this weekend so these are the ones that are supposed to be in my other koozie case yeah um i got a nice two three two situation nice koozie case sandwich but they're nice. just loose in my desk because i use this case for bringing uh, portable video game systems to uh, the uh, to uh, my, my my vacation this past weekend. Um, so they're very versatile. Yeah, it's very cool. All right, got a hypothetical this week. This one comes from a non 
masculine person. Yes, this was from Staying Welcome on, to the World name. with Sean. He uh, mentioned on Instagram, uh, prompting us to discuss what we consider to be the ultimate tool pen. And Sean says this pen must be in production, or at least I guess the core pen, because then he he then says that we can add up to three functions, no limits. I guess no limits other than the fact that the pen needs to be in production. So No limits except for the rest of everything he said, which is literally just limits. Yes. So anyway, I thought this just was a fun one. There, there's a lot of room for Brian to go absolutely insane on this one. I So... Uh, no, I, I picked I one. That, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Of course you wouldn't. No, who who in the world would think you would do something like that? So I wanted to do a retro fifty one pen. Um, so th- it surprised me that I chose this one, but I chose this one for um, a good reason. So the main thing I would want this pen to have, Brian. Obviously, retro fifty ones. They kind of, they have a lot of different fun designs, mm-hmm. but I don't want to have to pick up a different pen. I want one pen that can do it all. So I want a retro fifty one that has a external display around the entire pen, so that uh, I can change it at will. So I can it, mm. it has a pro it's programmable. So the display can change it to whatever I want it to be. If I want it to be a shark pen for the holidays, boom, I got that. If I want it to be a Halloween pen, boom, it just changes. So like the whole pen is a wraparound like LCD or screen. So that's function one. Um, Function two is, uh, function two and three are kind of similar. So I want to be able to uh, be using the pen and then I want it to display something on whatever I'm... uh, um, writing on. So not only will I be writing with it, but it will also capture what I'm writing in some sort of internal memory. Um, I've mentioned before on the pencast that I use this thing a lot. It's a it's a, um, a boogie board, and I can write something on here, you know, with a stylus or whatever, and then just hit this button, and it gets deleted. So I have a terrible memory. So I will take out this, and I will just you know write a little note so I'll remember what I'm doing. And then delete it over and over again. Saves some paper. But if I had a pen that could do that, I could just jot something down and then click something and then you know forget about it. But then I could click it again and it show <clears throat> what I just wrote, uh, kind of like a little notepad or something like that. Then I think that would be really helpful for me and my lack of brains. Um, likewise, function three, if it could also display... Um, like grids and templates and things like a circle, you know, basic shapes, maybe journaling templates or outlines, squares, stuff that I could use to kind of, you know, uh, arrange my pages, um, maybe even, um, you know, trace some things. I think that would be super helpful for me or maybe even lettering guides, stuff like that. I, I would love to like upload some of that stuff and then trace it. The reason I didn't say rollerball was because I think tool pen, I think rollerball just because of its versatility. But the reason I, ch- I, I think I might need a fountain pen is realistically speaking, because this is very mm. realistic and scientific. I would think that the cap would need to sit on the table to then project my display mm. because it can't really display while I'm writing because the whole, it's wiggling around and moving. So I think the cap would need to be kind of the display portion I'm thinking. Okay. I thought way too. I thought way too much into this, but anyway, yes. Yeah, so, essentially, a display pen, a monitor sort of note taking, um, projection pen with a programmable outside, so I can change my design to fit my mood and not have to keep on buying new retro pens because I already have a problem with that. 
This sounds like uh, sounds like a good Kickstarter that's uh, being birthed right here, Drew. Maybe. $55,000 buy-in on the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. At least. Yeah. At least. For, yeah. for, for tier one, where, <laughs> tier you, where you just get like a personalized, get a, a personalized thank you from me. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Good. Well, if you thought Drew's had any level of impracticality to it, just you wait, because I had a lot of fun with this question. What did you do? Um, well, first off, I thought, what pen, just looking at it, looks like it should have some secret hidden functionality to it. And I thought immediately of the Jinhao Dragon pen. You know, it just looks like the kind of thing that would be like sitting on a shelf in an escape room that would be a part of some elaborate puzzle or something like that. I don't know. Um, okay, so okay. I went with the Jinhao Dragon. Um, first feature I would have is actually not not that crazy, and in fact, it's pretty genius. I don't know how this would actually work. I didn't think about it as much as Drew did. Um, but I would have a self-cleaning f- feature on the pen so that I would not have to clean this pen ever. It would just somehow magically keep itself clean. You know, maybe it's a, a time release or something after I have not touched the pen for a month, it cleans itself and I can just pick it back up and ink it up and be good to go. So that's first a very thing, That's a very practical... Self-cleaning. That, 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 yeah, that's actually way more sane than I thought you were going to do. So color I, I me thought, impressed. I thought of that as you were talking, and I was like, that's actually pretty cool. Good. Um, yes. The next feature actually might even be more practical than this one. Um, so you remember the movie GoldenEye from 007, you know, with uh, Pierce Brosnan? Do you want an exploding pen that you click no, three times no. and it blows up? No. No, no, no. Okay, because that was in GoldenEye. That was in GoldenEye. I want to say that was a Parker Jotter, I think. It looks like a Parker Jotter, at least. Um, that was pretty cool with the pen and the whole clicking okay, thing. Okay, so you don't want a grenade pen. What, what pretty, else I from GoldenEye could I want you a grenade possibly pen. need? I, I feel like if I had a grenade pen, I would not keep track of how many clicks it had, and I would blow myself <laughs> up. There's no question. Um, or I would have it in my pocket as I'm like doing yard work, and I would end up setting it off and blowing myself up. Um, no, either way, it wouldn't be good. Uh, so no, not the blow-up function. Um, but uh, when he's on the train and he needs to get out, he's got a watch that's got a laser built into it and he cuts a hole in the floor with the laser. You said this was practical. I feel like having a built-in laser, not a laser pointer, but like a real laser would be pretty cool. I don't know what I would actually Why? use it for. What would you, what? I don't know. Just the eyes on the dragon Probably, house. probably clearing trails and destroying stumps i would come up with some interesting creative use for <laughs> a dragon laser eyes I, let me tell you um, oh but the eyes so you'd that, want you, you'd want them coming out of the eyes yes i think it's mainly okay. the jewels in the dragon's eyes that are making me think i want those eyes to shoot lasers i don't know what yeah. functionality it would have it would just be really cool so maybe Fair it could enough. just be a laser pointer maybe that would be safer if I would blow myself up with a grenade pen, I'd probably burn a hole in myself with a laser pen. So. You did catch your ground on fire trying to destroy some weeds with a flamethrower. I did that. I set my mulch on fire. I stamped it out, though. It, would, it was. I noticed it pretty quickly. Right, but, do you, but does that person who set their mulch on fire need a yeah, laser pen? That person shouldn't be given a laser pen. <laughs> so we'll call it a laser pointer pen. That just to sound so not as cool. I don't know. We'll see. I'm on the fence on that one. But then um, the last Ugh. the last feature is that it would have a built-in deodorant stick so that when I'm recording <laughs> long videos and sweating in my heavy sweaters, I can just discreetly 
take the pen and like stick it up my sleeve and just kind of <laughs> like reapply, you know? Okay. Okay. Or maybe it could be like a perfume, you know, like injection kind of thing. So I could be even more discreet and just kind of like lift and just like, <laughs> you know, like spray some good scent in oh there. Oh my God. So yeah, very, is... very practical. I think, I think, uh, I don't know. I think we're onto something here, Drew. I mean, it's very you. <laughs> I'll say that. I that totally is... didn't just come up with all of this on the fly as we were filming this pencast. It's been a busy that. week for Brian Gould. <laughs> He's had some stuff going on. I have, but still got time for a tip of the week. And I'm excited about this one. This is a very, very simple one. So if you've liked the ones that we've done so far, I'm glad to hear it. We're going to keep them going. This is a very easy one. This one's actually about paper. This is one of the simplest hacks that I've ever used to, you can impress people and they will never even know that you had a workaround for this. So, you know, if you've ever gotten any kind of correspondence from anybody on a blank piece of paper and you see that their handwriting, whether or not their handwriting itself is perfect or not, you look and their lines are like perfectly straight and you know, there's no lines drawn on it or anything. You're like, how did somebody write so straight across the page on a blank piece of paper? It's going to sound so dumb and so witchcraft. simple. It's not witchcraft. It's very simple. You take a sheet of lined paper to whatever ruling that you desire, and you literally just put the lined paper underneath your blank paper. And then it's very, it's kind of faint, and this is not the darkest lines uh, on this uh, triumph that I have. Uh, but you can see, as you're writing, you can see the lines through the paper that you're writing on of the paper underneath. Witchcraft. It. Yeah, it looks like witchcraft. But you write it across, and then as soon as you take the blank piece of paper off, you don't see the lines anymore because they're not actually on the paper. And then you look at it, and you're like, wow, that's so much straighter than if I had just written, you know, on a blank piece of paper with no lines. Super, super easy, super simple. You can take whatever sheet of paper. You can use like a college rule if you want a seven millimeter ruling, or you can, you know, Claire Fontaine does their eight millimeter ruling. So you can get different widths depending on which nib size you're using. I recommend it eight millimeter or something like that if you are writing with like a stub nib or you want something a little more calligraphic or a broader nib. Just gives you a little more space. Um, but yeah, makes it nice and easy to write straight lines. Just put a line sheet of paper under your blank one. And that is my tip of the week. And that, that specific um, one you have there, the Triumph, that will actually come with a sheet of lined paper as yeah, the first so page. This one, this one is actually the lined tablet, but oh. Claire Fontaine Triumph, if you buy the blank one, it actually comes with a single sheet of lined paper as the first sheet for exactly this reason. So you can put that lined sheet underneath your blank sheets and everyone will be impressed. They're like, wow, this person's handwriting is terrible, but their lines are so straight. <laughs> At least that's what they say to me. Not really. Love My handwriting hand is okay. But it's, you know. Yeah. Lines are straight, though. All right. Moving on to the next segment. The pen of the week. Hey. So Drew, Drew slacked me yesterday, and he was like, hey, did you ink up your Kyrgios yet? And I was like, nope, totally forgot kind of had a lot going on he was like yeah me too maybe we should reevaluate this uh pen every week kind of thing and i was like yeah i think we might 
just have a lot going on. I don't know about you, but I haven't cleaned any of the pens that I've inked up already, and I've just been using them. I think that I'm just like the frequency is is too great for me to keep up personally. I like the idea, like the concept. I want to be accountable to our community to be using these pens on a regular basis, but I'm just not. I'm just not actually doing it. So yeah, um, yeah. My my proposal is that we hold off maybe for the month of December and then maybe reevaluate when we come back in January because it's Fair just enough. it's at the point now where it's like. I just, I just feel bad and it's not as like fun. It's like, oh crap. Yeah. You know? And I don't want to just like think of a day off and be like, oh crap, let me just ink this up real quick. And then, yeah, sure. It was great. You know, I don't want to be in that position. So yeah, I um, fail at enough things every week without needing to, you know, have another one added to the list. <laughs> it's, I do fine on my enough. own. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, you know, we like the segment. We're not going to like, oh, this sucks. We're not going to do it anymore. We're just, we're pretty slammed. This is our busiest time of year. We got a lot of family things going on and all that. You know, both my kids' birthdays are around this time of year, so things just get kind of crazy, you know. Yeah, so I have to do a lot for his kids' on. birthdays. It's just, I don't have time to write things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mentally, I'm just, I, I'm celebrating you, you their feel, birthdays. You feel the emotional weight yeah, of Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You're, you're in solidarity with me. That's fair. For sure, for um, sure. So anyway, if you were really looking forward to our re- review of the Curidas let us know and maybe we'll make that the next one that we do yeah so i mean one totally of us will yeah one of us will write with it at some point and we will talk about it so yeah 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 it'll happen it's just not going to be structured in any fair enough way and these pen guys are long enough as it is so um all right as we wrap up here drew let's talk about just kind of what's happening in our lives and with the company yeah, I have had kind of a, a bit happening. So mm. this past weekend, I went to Southwest Virginia with my two brothers, mm. and um, we got a little cabin in the mountains next to the New River. Uh, so that is a big, big honking river that runs through Virginia and West Virginia. And we did some kayaking. We did some hiking, saw a waterfall, got the drone out, made that fly around a little bit, and uh, had a had a merry time. The only negative was that the uh, the house that we rented, which was not on Airbnb, by the way, I like mailed a guy a check, um, and the uh, the website was very very old. Um, but anyway, uh, it's, it still looked nice. But there there was a surprise element, and that surprise was that it was situated in between two active train tracks. So there was one train track in the front of the house that was probably about. 50 feet in front of the house like you could throw a rock at the train and then there was another train across the river it was a waterfront property but you could see another train like you could see both we're not talking about like it was not through woods or on the other side of a street like it was train on the left train on the right wow so so sleeping was a bit of a challenge Hmm. um other than that the weather was nice we did um do some paddling um it was a you know made some steaks it was a it was a good time but uh that particular house we will not be uh, visiting again. Um, when you stay at a different house, it's hard enough to sleep already without double trains. Um, and then so, but I, I did have some foresight and took Monday off, just kind of like relax a little bit. Or I thought I was going to relax a little bit and ended up, I got home. My wife told me the washer wasn't working, so I uh, needed to spend most of the day working on the washer machine, trying to fix the shocks on the washer because it kept on giving me an error because it was shaking too much and I needed to do that. It was a $3 YouTube fix, but still it was annoying. It took a lot of time. And you fixed it. You fixed Mm. the washer. Yeah. 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 Basically the, the, the shocks needed to be 
the the springs needed to be kind of held in place a little bit more so some mm. uh, some some reinforced hose um mm. zip tied onto the spring uh just wow. kind of pinched it enough to calm it down macgyver over here zip tying I mean, his washer shocks it's just it's youtube i also you rebalance know. rebalance the drum but mm. it was annoying and stupid and sticky and messy and dumb and then also the rest of the day i ended up making uh my son a uh foam top hat because the following day was dressed as a snowman day so of course i needed to make another thing out of foam like i did for halloween so downloaded a template online got some craft foam and made him a made him a hat Uh, wow so he was a snowman and then made him a little short scarf out of felt that i bought at the craft store and I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I have, and then I started buying VHS movies, Brian. So that's a thing now. I'm collecting VHSs uh, off Wait, eBay. What? Yeah, I don't know. Don't talk to me. Um, that's you. This I, is like I don't. It's just a thing that started. I had an empty this shelf. Is like another, in, this is like another thing, Drew. It's another it's, thing. It's another thing. Why yeah. Are you, why are you doing another thing? I don't know, Brian. You so, don't need another thing, Drew. I, <laughs> I know. You have enough things. I know. So I had a shelf on my in my entertainment center. So I've got my retro games. I got my Game Boys over here. I'm like, I got a shelf. What can I do with the shelf? I'm like, aha! VHSs from 1984. So I'm buying because they're they're cheap though, Brian. They're only like five bucks a piece. All right. So I'm not breaking the bank on this, you know. But yeah, I've got so far. I've got about six Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Ghostbusters, 16 Candles, Spinal Tap, Terminator, Beverly Hills Cop, all 84, Brian. So they're all up there. They look nice and pretty. There, I need to get some more. Of, there were a lot of good movies in 84. I got it. Yeah, know. there were. So the whole shelf is going to be one beautiful representation of how magical, monumental, and special 1984 was to cinema. So I need to get wow. Footloose. I need to get uh, Gremlins, Nightmare on Elm Street, a couple more. But yeah gonna see if i can fill the whole thing up so yeah so i'm doing that doing that now too i need help i'm sorry wow what about you um yeah wow that's really funny <laughs> i was just thinking about that like yeah that's 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 how it starts yeah the karate kid one was one that opened <laughs> from the side you remember those the vhs that kind of like came out of the side and has like a little came out of the side yeah mm. yeah it was like a side sleeve yeah 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 yeah, most most of the most movies like there were some like blank cassettes that kind of were side sleeves, but most huh. like movies you would like like films theatrical. Yeah, they releases, come out like the shorts, the short end. Yeah, yeah, most of them came out the bottom, but some of them came out the side. Hmm. Yeah, you know. Interesting. Yeah, it's a thing. Yep, that's a thing. It's a thing now. And you said it started because you had an empty shelf. <sighs> yeah. I also bought I also bought more Ninja Turtle figures. More more Ninja. Okay. Well, I had Leonardo and I needed the rest. Oh my gosh! So Shannon bought me Leonardo last year for Christmas, and I'm not, I can't just have Leonardo. I need their brothers. <laughs> yeah, they got to stay together. But they look so good, man. They're very realistic. They're like the Ninja Turtles from the 1990 movie, like the the Jim Henson animatronic puppets. Oh yeah, oh, so good. But now I've got all four, and they look so nice. Okay. I can, I can appreciate that. I yeah. Can appreciate that. yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. Wow, that's really funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm funny. I was given Leonardo, and I had to get the rest. 
if you are not like the classic like case study for this addictive obsessive type personality i don't know who i know is true. <laughs> i know i know um <sighs> totally the same way oh, um right. we're just lost lost causes yeah um me i've had a lot of random things going on a lot of it's like family stuff personal stuff and it's like blah, 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 you know not super exciting <laughs> podcast fodder <laughs> so it sounds riveting tell me more well it's like you know it's all stuff that's like i'm helping so and so with this thing in their life and it's like not really things i'm at liberty to like openly share about other people's you know stuff going on Ooh. in their lives on the pencast and stuff like juicy that juicy you know? details well you know like various people's health issues that Ooh. i'm working with them on and doing stuff like that the, none of that is exciting at all, but it's just life stuff. And there's just been a lot of that that I've been, you know, just working with uh, various people who I'm close well, to. Well, it sounds like it sounds like you're being an awesome, helpful, kind human being. So kudos trying, to you for that. I'm trying. Thank That's you. awesome. No, thank you. That, that, that is. Great. Yeah, 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 yeah. It ha- you know, hey, we all we've all got things going on and people in our lives, and we're doing a lot of things for those people. Um, like me, I'm I'm, I'm right giving now. people on eBay you know four dollars and fifty cents for their old vhs's and they'll no doubt have better lives because of me so um, we're, I'm, we're, we're we're together we're helping yeah, we're, we're being very yeah. altruistic i think okay yeah. yeah all right okay equally equally okay um mm-hmm. all right mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. okay <laughs> all right well the one kind of cool thing that i did get to do i did get to spend uh, a little time working with some wood this weekend um, so yeah, I had a, had a, a friend who wanted to make a birdhouse for his aunt and was like, Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, I've got tools. I've got wood, like, let's do it. So came over. It's a nice, you know, distanceable activity, you know, wearing like masks anyway for woodworking dust is like, that's pretty cool. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. I can be there. We can kind of help, but you know, I'm kind of like just standing there. Cause like part of it's so that like he can like work with the wood too. I was like, you know what, actually I could make some gifts you know i've made some like pen stands and things like that um so i made some some pen stands to give out as like gifts to people oh cool you know for yeah so just you know stuff like this um you know just like it's like a block of walnut wood it's nothing fancy um it's basically a block of wood with holes in it but uh you know it just makes for a really nice kind of like presentable pen stands. i like that it's not totally um flat on all sides it's got a little bit of a curve there yeah so it honestly you know what it looks like it looks like a piece of a mantle like, yeah, I mean, I literally have a mantle that I made that's made out of walnut like this. Um, so it's it's in the natural edge. So you see like the heartwood and the sapwood over here. All the bark was here. So I stripped off all the loose stuff and still left some of the natural kind of like, you know, coloration and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and then I just laid it out, drilled the holes. So, you know, it's kind of cool. It's all one solid piece. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of cool and nice, nice and sturdy, but it's, you know, the thing I like about wood pen stands is that, you know, it doesn't scratch the pens or anything like that. It's, it's, it's you know can handle some abuse and stuff like that so and then it's pretty easy to make nice. so i have all the i have all these like raw pieces of wood and some natural edge stuff so you know i just cut up some blocks of it and had some pieces that were suitable for you know a natural edge little desk stand and i was like yeah this is kind of a cool thing it's small it's easy it's handmade it's kind of cool so i made some of those this weekend and that was nice. fun like, now i know back in the day you would always order exotic woods do you still do that or do yeah. you like use found woods like is there anything on your property that you can use or is it all just kind of like eh not good um, enough. Not good enough for Brian Goulet. I mean, 
the exotic woods and stuff are great for pens because they're really small. Um, and some of the exotic woods can get really expensive, mm. especially like in a, I've had woods before where a block this size would cost you $70. What? Yeah. I, that's, I'm, I'm, never mind. Yeah. I shouldn't say anything. I bought stupider <laughs> things for $70. <laughs> right. Um, you know, depending on how exotic it is and where it comes from, you know, stuff like this, this is, this is all local wood. Um, so I actually know a guy here locally. He gets, um, trees that fall in storms or like the city's taken down for whatever trimming and, and various purposes. Um, so he kind of, you know, they basically like just burn or chip those up normally. Um, so he, you know, gets them, cuts them into slabs, you know, and makes them for things like mantles and, you know, natural edge, you know, tables and, and conference tables and things like that. Um, so I basically go to him and I'm like, Hey, you got any like scraps that you don't really <laughs> use? So actually this piece was, um, a mantle, you know, so he cut like a mantle slab, but the person didn't want the natural edge on it. So he had like, you know, three or four inches, you know, of several feet long that still had the natural edge on it. And I was like, that would be perfect for some pen stands. So, nice. you know, I get like scraps and stuff like that from him. And uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, you can find some, some pretty cool stuff out there. So yeah, I'm working a little more with domestics now, not so much the exotics for you know, these like little project pieces. And so I've got like another one in progress. So you can see how it kind of starts out. You know, I've got just like the raw piece. It's a little lighter in color, you know, and then I kind of like lay out where I want the holes to go and, uh, you know, drill them and everything and sand it all. And that's very gratifying because it takes, you know, a couple hours and you can batch out a few of them. And, you know, you just kind of... That's nice. Yeah, I know you you generally do like a few wood projects a year to kind of scratch that itch. Yeah, yeah, nothing crazy. And I've made like end tables and various things like that around the house. Um, nothing in a production setting in any way, but yeah, it still scratches that itch. That's what, what, what's your yeah. what's your ultimate like wood thing that you would like to build in your lifetime? Ultimate wood thing. I mean, like I'd a love rocking, to do... like a rocking chair or a canoe or something like that. Um, I don't know, trebuchet would be pretty cool. <laughs> A roller coaster. I've seen that, like backyard roller coaster. I mean, that's a legit. Oh movie. yeah, seen that. No, those alpine um, coasters. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. No, not really. I'm not. I'm joking about those. I mean, like a dining table or something. Like I love the natural edge kind of slab look. So I could see doing like a slightly larger piece of furniture like that. Cool. Um, it was pretty cool doing our mantle here. That turned out really well. Nice. Because um, that's like a six foot long by twelve inch, you know, walnut slab. That was a lot of work to haul around this like 100 pound chunk of wood as you're trying to work on it but it was a lot of fun so yeah just stuff like that it's just for fun very cool i'm glad you get a chance to do that yeah, i know that those yeah, o- those opportunities don't present themselves enough and i know that yeah, you know for, you for, like, for, for any artist you know you you have that part of you that whether whatever your hobby it is when you don't do it long enough it kind of it kind of bums you out a little bit. Then you do it and you're like, oh my God, you forget how much yeah. you loved it and how much you missed it. Even though if, you, if it's not really eating at you, once you have it back, it's like like a breath of fresh air. Like you just like drank a cold glass of water or something like, oh man. Yeah. Oh, I know and, the feeling. That's, that's fantastic. And I can only justify the time working on this kind of stuff. Like Rachel, Rachel's like, I support you in doing this if you promise not to turn it into another business. <laughs> She's like, you can do it as a hobby all you want. I support you in that. But she's like, I do not want to set up another business. I don't want you to sell the stuff. And I was like, all right, all right, all right. That's fair. So I make stuff. I'll give it away to family, friends, whatever. Um, but I can't sell it. So that's that's the deal. That's the rule. <laughs> she doesn't want another job. 
<laughs> Fair enough. Um, Company-wise, we got some company updates to talk about. Um, so we've been trying to keep things uh, light around the office, support our team. So we've been supporting them with some breakfast, had some awesome biscuits, some local biscuits this morning, being Wednesday when we're recording this. So that was awesome. Um, also, with the cheddar tots. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. That's so good. So mm. good. So, yeah, we're trying to... So trying to support our team with food, especially during the holidays like this. Everybody's working really hard. Um, it's I been felt, good. It's I been felt good. very supported this morning. Thank you. Good. I'm glad to hear that. We also decorated. It looks lovely over here. We did. Yeah. I saw you share that on Instagram. Had some great stories going on. Yeah, that was really, really cool. We got a couple of team members who just really love decorating. And so they, they were able to make some time and go around and do that. It's just, it's really cool to have this kind of festive feel, you know, around, around our office. Um, and then we had some other excitement happen earlier this week, Drew, when like had <laughs> huge Amazon web service outages that shut down like Slack and Disney Plus and <laughs> all these things. Well, it shut down our shipping software. So we could not ship anything on Tuesday afternoon. And we were scrambling, trying to figure out what was going on. Of course, it's like the worst time of year to have our shipping down. But it was it was not even our issue it was like a so much of a bigger issue so we basically just had to kind of ride it out but you know thankfully we'd shipped most everything in the morning it didn't set us back too too much um but it made for a very dramatic <laughs> few hours there in the middle of the week um and of course that would happen like when we were doing our off-site leadership planning and we were like kind of indisposed but then it's like oh, okay oh everything's on fire cool great perfect timing you know uh as it would happen but everything worked out it's fine you know team's working hard we're getting getting everything out but uh you know nothing adds to the excitement like major software issues during the holiday season it's just a lot of fun cool all right and then uh what's on your desk drew you got some pens um, you're playing with yeah I, for some reason i have a lot of gold nib pens brian Wow. Um, yes, a, a lot of a lot of gold nib <laughs> pens that like if I were to recommend to somebody, you know, they should kind of like pick up as their, you know, as 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 a great entry level one. That these oh. would, uh, yeah, these would be great, great, uh, great things to choose. I will say, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, there there will be a video coming out that are gonna involve some of these. One thing I will say, Brian, in using these pens today, Drew Brown is here to tell you officially, ladies and gentlemen. The decimo superior to the traditional vanishing point. Whoa. Yup. Whoa. Saying it. First, you're talking about Saying the explorer it. and how I should kill the metropolitan. Now you're talking about the decimo killing the vanishing point. Fight me, okay? All right. Not saying the explorer is better than the metro, but it does not get as fair a shake as it should against the metro. Um, the decimo, though, lighter, thinner. For my little hands, and um, I just like the profile. Now it does not come in black matte, which is a huge bummer. If it mm. did, I won't say it's superior. It's not superior. It's close to being superior because it doesn't come in black matte or just you know, it doesn't have enough colors. But I I have never really given the Decimo a shot, Brian, and mm. I do like the fact that it's lighter, and I do like yeah. the fact that it's a little slimmer. It feels better. I enjoy writing with it just physically more than. The VP. Now, the traditional vanishing point, vanishing point, one of my all-time favorite pens. I, that is, like, the best note-taking pen ever. Just fantastic. Um, so I love it to death, you know. But uh, So I'm not going to hang it up anytime soon. 
but man, I was super impressed by the Decimo. I mean, I'm a big fan of the Decimo and the Vanishing Point. I think the two pens are very close, so you could easily make an argument for one being better than the other, and you'd yeah, be right. You could be right for about sure. either one. Yeah, and I could do the same thing with the Metro and the Explorer, absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's more similarities between the Decimo and the, the VP. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I would love to see a greater emphasis, a greater offering of the Decimo in the yeah. US. I think it's a little more available in Japan. I think it's, you know... The Vanishing Point is more the front runner in the U.S. I mean, the Decimo was not available in the U.S. at all until a few years ago. So, um, and most of the colors are like a lighter kind of a, you know, pastel type of a color. Yeah, this this so, blue one actually looks really nice. This one's kind of mm-hmm. like a like a almost a denim, a, a, like a navy denim. Um, yeah, I really one. like this blue. So honestly, mm-hmm. golly, I hate that I keep discovering new pens, and it's just very very upsetting. I need to stop looking at pens so i can stop wanting pens and buying pens but that's yeah. not gonna happen i clearly have I no mean, self-control when it comes to purchasing unnecessary things i mean if, if any pen gas has proven that it would be this one today <laughs> God, i didn't even I, i'm not even talking to you about the other things i bought on ebay recently not even gonna mm-mm. oh you're just gonna like drop that in there and leave it i'm just i just feel <laughs> might, might as well air it all out drew i mean <laughs> All right. Well, Archer got this toy catalog, right? And and he's looking at this thing. It's like some like you know something that opens up and it creates like a little playset, and you got these tiny little figures that are all up in it. And he's like, "Oh, this is cute." I'm like, "Yeah, it looks kind of like it's for babies, though." Like, what you really need is a Mighty Max toy. Those things were badass. Like that. That's what I had when I was a kid. They were sweet. So I start showing him pictures of Mighty Max, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, this looks amazing." I was like, "Yeah, they don't make them anymore." And, and so like, I'm like, wait a minute. And so, so I, and I, he wonder, just, I wonder if you can still get the, you know, I can see exactly where your thought process is going. And of course I found one, but finding them that have all of the little dudes are, is rare because they're mm. all missing and gone. Oh yeah. So how many kids noses and dogs yeah. stomachs are these little pieces ended <laughs> That's up That's where they're, you know, they're still in the noses to this day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to this day. Absolutely. Mighty Max is in so many kids noses. So still. of course I had to buy one and, because he was, he, he thought they were so cool, and I was the one that mentioned it. I'm like, you know what's cool is Mighty Max, but yeah, so I did that, and then like, and then then last year I thought to myself, because he's talking about, you know, these these robots that connect. I'm like, well, Power Rangers, that that's that's the best, you know, robot connecting toy. I mean, even if you don't watch Power Rangers, which he doesn't, those toys were awesome. They connected really well. They were resilient. They can get beat up. Um, so I found the, I found the Thunder Megazord on eBay for like 30 bucks. So yeah, it's cheap. Um, Hmm. this was before COVID, not last year, year before last. This was before COVID, before everybody started collecting everything. Mm -hmm. They were at home. They're like, Oh, let me collect all the everything. Um, but he really likes it. And I, and I stupidly showed him that there's another, the white tiger Zord can connect to the thing he has. He's like, I don't have that one. I was like, Oh, dang it dang it <laughs> so and then and this is my fault like he he's not bothering me for this i have a problem because i'm like well you need the thing that connects to it obviously i was the white range was my favorite thing so i'm like but now the prices are higher because i'm just i need to i need to stop i need to i need to have ebay taken away from me i was just like my mom in the fiesta wear stuff like that I, I can't yeah when you start making your own soap i'm gonna be like drew <laughs> no <laughs> stop it that's enough jump the shark yeah oh man i just 
It's so bad because I, I mean, I have no room to talk. You and I are in the same boat and I'm just like, you'll tell me about these things. And I'm <laughs> like, really? They have that? I wonder if right. they have the, the, this other thing. You know? Right. You're talking about $70 chunks of woods. I'm like, what? That's weird. I'm like, oh crap. No, never mind, Drew. Shut up. What? That's weird. I'm going to go buy a bunch of Power Rangers yeah. on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, oh, I, had my gosh. This, I had to find this like Happy Meal toy. Like when I remembered that Happy <laughs> that, that McDonald's used to have um, at burgers that transformed into robots. What did I do? I went on eBay, bought a bunch of damn like transformer at hamburgers. I'm like, I, I can't. I had that as a kid. Can you show? Hold that up to the camera here. I want to see that yeah. thing. I had that as a kid. I remember that. Yes. Oh, yeah. They're amazing. And I'm yeah. like, well, well, I need these now again. Yeah. <laughs> need. Yeah. I tell you, I I can't. Mm. I can't with myself. Yep. If you had a time gonna... machine, if you just had a time machine, Drew, you could just go back to 1984, just like ransack any random suburban house, <laughs> and come back here, and you could like retire. Oh, and, and of like, course now the the holiday season is making me think of Home Alone, and I'm thinking about the talk boy that he had in Home Alone 2. Oh. I'm like, that was like one of my favorite toys. I'm like, no, Drew, mm. I haven't even looked on eBay for that one, Brian. I'm oh, man. showing restraint, not doing it. Talk boy, huh? No, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Tell me what... No, no. Tell, no. We're, what's eBay. on your desk, Brian? What's on your desk? Stop it. eBay.com. Talkboy? You said it was called Talkboy? Nope, nope. That's not what it's called anymore. They changed it. It's called the... I remember that. I never, had, I never had a Talkboy. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Inaccessible. Okay. okay, some of them are not so expensive. Oh, God. They had a Talkboy watch, too. Nah. Okay, some of these are not so bad. Like, you know... 70 bucks 80 bucks oh okay that's not so bad some of them are like four or five hundred bucks what yeah why are they still in the boxes and stuff fully functional original home alone talk boy box blank and soundtrack tape oh my god i don't know why this one's that expensive i'm not doing it not doing it wow Mm -mm. i need to i need to have some discipline all right we're 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 at almost an hour and fifty minutes. <laughs> we're going what, long. We we can't go too long. We've been told, that, Drew. We have full people, license to go as long people, as we want. Y'all need to stop saying that because that's going to create problems. We we are pushing that to its limit. Um, yeah. For me, what's on my desk? Um, the Eco Jade, literally right now, and I already talked about it. So <laughs> that's it. That's that's, that's all you get. That's what's on my desk right now, and uh, yeah, that's it. I don't have any other weird obsessions I picked up this week, anyway. <laughs> Uh, Drew's got it all covered there. I do. I do. Golly. do want to thank you all for watching. You can definitely leave us feedback about how we're doing. Ask us questions. Tell us about your childhood obsessions that you've recently found on eBay. Please make me feel less alone. Yeah. Drew's feeling home alone right now. Ah. Oh, that was bad. Okay. Check out GooglyPens.com. We have a lot of ink, paper, pens, all these things. You can shoot us an email at pencast at GooglyPens.com if you have any questions listening to the audio portion of our pencast here. And I have a random fun fact that is Santa Claus related, given that it's approaching that time of year. In 1955, Sears, Sears and Roebuck, the department store, tried to put the number of one of their stores where children could call Santa Claus and tell them what they wanted for Christmas. They advertised this in the newspaper. However, the number that they printed was incorrect, and it was actually for NORAD, the North American Aerospace Defense Command hotline. Oh, my God. And they were really good sports about it. So NORAD created something called the Santa Tracker. Oh, yeah. And they still provide flight updates for Santa Claus on the Internet. 
TV news and a special iPhone app each Christmas. You can track Santa each year at www.noradsanta.org. That's pretty good. I didn't know that's how that started. Started by an accidental misprint of a phone number in a Sears ad in 1955. Isn't that crazy? That is really cool. Good for them being good sports about it. Exactly. I thought that was kind of cool. They were also good sports when they saw Dr. Evil's spaceship flying. You know, I appreciate that. That's true. They could have shot that down. I mean, <laughs> they could have. They could have. That's kind of what they're there for. Johnson. But, you know. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, Drew. Thank you. Good luck with thank all you, your Brian. eBay purchases. Oh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening and watching, and right on. 